0: Welcome to the Faith Community Church podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Good morning. Get my high-tech notebook open here. We're going to be uh, starting today in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, but um, that's going to be our initial text. But wanted to tell you a story first and about Canada, about Camp of the Woods. They don't just have extreme temperatures, they have extreme mosquitoes, too. And that's why we would always plan our trip to try to go in the spring just before the mosquitoes would hatch because otherwise we had had guys dragged off into the woods, you know, and that was kind of bad. They're the kind of mosquitoes that when you hit them, they crunch. They're so big. They crunch like wasps. So anyway, pastor and author uh, Tony Evans was in Columbia, South Carolina. He was there to preach a crusade that was being held at the University of South Carolina football stadium. Thousands of people had gathered for this, and, but the forecast showed that there were a really serious thunderstorm on the way. In fact, it was expected to hit at about 7 o'clock p.m., and that was the exact time the meeting was supposed to start. And so as the sky got darker and darker and the threat of cancellation was really looming, they did what Christians do. They decided to have a prayer meeting. So a group of preachers and other church leaders... Uh, got together and Evans noted he was just he was there to preach and so he was there as a guest but he noted that all the preachers prayed what you would consider to be kind of safe prayers and we we do this Uh, I took as you will recall I took when I retired I took a year off and I just went and visited other churches And I've noticed that in the evangelical world, we tend to pray really safe prayers. And that uh, Evan says they were kind of undemanding of God. And then a woman named Linda spoke up and said, can I pray? And they said, of course. And she said, Lord, thousands have gathered here to hear the good news about your son. It would be a shame on your name for us to have all these unbelievers go without the gospel When you control the weather and you don't stop it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, address this storm. And so ended the prayer meeting. Everyone took their places. The sky got darker and more threatening. And the leader of the crusade actually stood up and said, we'll go as long as we can. And umbrellas start sprouting up, you know, like mushrooms in the crowd. And a man sitting next to Linda offered his umbrella. She said, no, thank you. It kind of reminds me of our friend Lois, if you guys remember Lois. Now, Evans says he and his wife watched as these rain clouds came right at the venue and then split and went around the venue, rained on both sides of the town except on the stadium, joined back together on the other side, and everybody in the stadium stayed dry. And he says this, how did Linda get... What the preachers didn't. She had the boldness, the shameless audacity to ask. Well, back in 2008, I preached a series here called Going Deeper with God in Prayer. And we worked all the way through the model prayer, which we know as the Lord's Prayer. And we learned the value of worship. We learned the value of God-centeredness and forgiveness and dependence in prayer. We also talked about unanswered prayer And the things that we need to be asking ourselves when our prayers go unanswered. And I will tell you clearly that I learned as much as anybody else does. And I did in that series, and I always do. But it occurred to me that if we stopped with unanswered prayer, we would have stopped too soon. And all of us would have kept on praying those really safe prayers. Now, all those things that we studied were good. We need to know the order of prayer as Jesus gave it to us. We need to know what to do with unanswered prayer. And if the Lord wills, maybe someday we'll come back and study those things together again. But I think most of you here know that stuff. Most of us are conservative evangelicals, and, and if you've been in that world very long, you've been taught these things. Uh, I just learned recently I just heard a new word recently. There's something called a charismatic uh, evangelical too. So it's like half charismatic, half evangelical. Um, something that I have learned about our version of evangelical faith is that, unlike some of our fellow believers from other traditions, and I guess I would include the charismaticicals in that, try to say that a few times. It's harder than it sounds. <laughs> we pray a lot of safe prayers. And like this sister in South Carolina, we need to be willing to ask seemingly outrageous things in prayer and expect God to answer. So if we are to be his ambassadors on planet Earth, we need to to pray big or go home. To pray the prayer of faith and trust God for the impossible. Now you guys know me and you know that I don't talk about this kind of stuff a lot. But it's right here in the text, and it appears all over the Bible. So Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures, and he is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So let me give you the outline today. The prayer of faith is big, that is, it is bold, it is informed, and it is God centered. It's bold, it's informed, and it's God-centered. And by boldness, I mean we are willing to ask God for impossible things. You have big faith if you are willing to act on unseen truth. If you are willing to act on unseen truth. Jesus said... If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you would say something really outrageous. You would pray something really outrageous, like move this mountain from one faith to another, one place to another. It means that you're willing to act on truth you cannot see. Now, let me clarify a little bit. Little faith is not small in size, but puny in character. Otherwise, Jesus would have he wouldn't have illustrated it with the mustard seed. So it's puny in character. True faith, even faith as small as a mustard seed, is a power conductor of enormous capacity. If the power of God could be likened to the electricity in your home, your faith is like the wires in your home. The electrical wires in your home are really small compared to the power that they make available. But they're large in their conducting capacity. Uh, We have a 200 amp service in our house and it's a wire that comes in from the street and it's about two inches in diameter. And I'm glad that we have that wire because it does a a lot of really good things for us like the heat that we had last night. But what's connected to it is what really matters. It's not the side, it's not the wire that matters. It's what it's connected to. And what it's connected to locally is a 900-megawatt power station called Clover Power Station or the electrical grid that it feeds. And that's what really matters. It's all the power. And if all the power of Clover Power Station were channeled down that two-inch wire into my house, it would blow my house up, and it would blow yours up too. Faith opens a door. Bold faith opens a door between heaven and earth, creating a path for the power of heaven to travel to the needs of earth. you got to remember, God doesn't need the path. God's got all power. He can drop a lightning bolt anytime, place, anywhere that He wants in our lives. He can intervene and do that whenever He chooses. But the amazing thing is that He chooses a path, that's our faith, to bring His power to bear on the needs of earth. Now, there's a misconception about faith that arises from this passage, so we've got to address that misconception. Faith does not multiply force. Faith does not multiply force. We have no spiritual force of our own that is able to remove mountains. It isn't faith in faith. That's just having faith in yourself. And having faith in yourself is not a bad thing. Having faith in your abilities, in the strengths that God has given you, in the dreams that he's given you is not a bad thing. It's just not what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about faith in God. So let me give you a definition, and I think, Kevin, you may have this definition in that outline. You weren't able to pull it up? Okay, sorry about that. So I'll just give you a definition, and I'll repeat it. Faith is the conduit through which the power of God flows to accomplish the purposes of God for the people of God in the providential timing of God. Faith is the conduit through which the power of God flows to accomplish the purposes of God for the people of God in the providential timing of God. Faith is confident enough in the power of the giver to ask for big things. It is confident enough in the grace of the giver to ask for things that may seem outrageous from an earthly perspective, knowing that he will not condemn us for asking that. It's okay to ask. So first, the prayer of faith is bold. It is willing to ask for seemingly impossible things. Dean Merrill is the author of a book called The Five Faces of Pentecost. And he says, I was sitting at a lunch table at the Canadian Fellowship of Christian Assemblies conference in Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada in 2005. And there was a man sitting across from me named Paul Valley, and he was a pastor from Red Deer, Alberta. And he was talking about his days as a youth pastor, when he had been a youth pastor, in a town way up in the northeastern part of the province. There was another young pastor at the table who had been a member of Valley's youth group at the time when he was serving as its youth pastor. So Valley and this other fellow were talking about the time they loaded up a bus full of teenagers to take an 11-hour ride to a youth retreat. That's another thing about Canada. If you're going to go anywhere, it's going to be a long ride. Um, they were in a long ride to a youth, treat, a youth retreat in, in Fort St. John, Baptist, uh, British Columbia. And a girl in the group had been invited, but she said she wasn't going to go, because she was prone to migraine headaches, especially on long rides in vehicles. And so her girlfriends, as they will do, persuaded her, said, Come on, come on, it'll be all right. We really want you to go. So in the end, the girl decided to take the trip. About three hours into the bus ride, the girl develops a really bad migraine. And she told the group, including the youth pastor, once these things start, there's no relief. She's just going to be in agony for three or or four days. If you have any experience with people with migraines, you'll know that's the case. So you're the youth pastor, you're Valley, what are you supposed to do in this, you know? So here's what he did not do. He did not ask all the kids in the bus, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. He didn't do that. He didn't ask for all the shades in the bus to be pulled down, and nor did he ask for everybody to make an offering of all the Advil in their, pur- in their purses. He didn't do that. What did he do? He called a prayer meeting. And so as the bus kept going down the road, they had a rolling prayer meeting, and they fervently prayed for God's intervention on this girl's behalf. About 30 minutes later, her head came up, her eyes were clear, and the migraine had stopped. The migraine did not reoccur for that whole trip. In fact, the migraines never reoccurred. God completely healed her on that bus trip with her friends friends praying boldly. I'm just going to say it again, guys. We don't come from from a tradition that does this very much. That's kind of for those Pentecostals, you know. It's not just for the Pentecostals. I've had a privilege of meeting people from Africa and people from India who have no other alternatives but to pray boldly. And they pray boldly and they see amazing and bold things. So first letter is B, pray boldly. The second letter is I, pray informed. So we'll make two observations about this praying informed. First, you pray the prayer of faith when you know the person to whom you are praying. You pray the prayer of faith when you know to whom you are praying. You know Jesus. Matthew 14, 28 through 33. Lord, if it's you, Peter says, tell me to come out to uh, to you on the water. You know, the disciples are going across the lake. There's a storm coming up. Jesus comes walking across the water. They're all terrified. And Peter says, if it's you, in other words, if I know it's you, I'll take this step. Jesus says, come. Peter takes out, he he steps out of the boat, he starts to head toward Jesus, and then what does the text say? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. What did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus, and he starts noticing all the other stuff around. He knew it was Jesus, he took a step of faith because it was Jesus, and then in the middle of Jesus answering his request, so to speak, he stops looking at him. And then you know the rest of the story. How Jesus pulls him back in the boat and he says, Oh, you of little faith. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We pray informed when we know to whom we are praying. Guys, he can do anything. Anything at all. So faith is measured not by the depth of our ignorance or the height of our presumptions, Or the extent of our emotions. Let me say that again. Faith is measured not by the depth of our ignorance, or the height of our presumptions, or the extent of our emotions. You know, a lot of us, we just want to pray and ask for crazy, silly, stupid things because we don't know Jesus and we don't know His Word. But then sometimes we'll pray and we'll pray something that's presumptuous. We'll ask for something that's just about us. We'll ask for something that's not informed about God's plan and God's purposes on planet Earth. Or sometimes we'll pray and we'll act like, if I can gin up enough emotion, if I can get excited enough, that means I've got enough faith That God will do something. No, your wire is still two inches. It's never going to be more than two inches. It may not be less than two inches. You just got a two-inch wire. What you're counting on is the 900-megawatt power plant called God. So it has nothing to do with the amount of emotion that we can gin up. It's knowing to whom you are praying. Knowing whom you are praying to, pardon me, that he is able to do what we're asking. Second thing about being informed is you pray the prayer of faith. You pray big informed prayers when you are are informed by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You are informed by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Acts 14, verses 8 through 10. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as Paul was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and, underline this, Saw that he had faith to be healed. How did he see that? Paul was a man who walked in the Spirit. Paul was a man who could respond to the movement of the Spirit. And he called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. This is not the only place when you see this kind of thing in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by or actually compelled by the Spirit out into the desert. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, Paul is compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, even though that he knows, even though he knows bondage awaits him there. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit guides Philip to go up alongside the chariot with the Ethiopian in it. Over and over and over again, you see this in the New Testament. We see this in the New Testament. I don't know how Paul knew that the man had faith to be healed, but he knew he just knew that he knew that he knew because he walked in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit takes practice. Walking in the Spirit means that you stay alert. Walking in the Spirit that means that we stay prayerful. There's a uh, pastor, Lee Eklove, told this story. Dill Dil Rummel, uh, a woman from the church where he pastored, said, he told me of a story of a, a friend of hers who had been hospitalized for 10 weeks. She had broken her back in two places, and it was just not healing. Uh, the, la- the friend's name was Colleen, and even though uh, Dill Rummel was very busy, she knew God wanted her to visit Colleen. Now, has that ever happened to you? You, you, you just know, I just need to go see this person. Can, can, can I get a show of hands? I mean, are you guys... You all all right with that? Okay. I just need to go visit this person. That's uh, that's happened to me. It doesn't happen all the time. The miracles in the Bible don't, didn't happen day after day after day after day. Lots of times there was a, a great deal of space in between them. But every now and then it's just like I need to go see this person. So she did. And she got there, and they talked about real estate for a while and several other things. And eventually, Dill summoned up the courage and said, Would you like me to lay hands on you and pray for you? Now, Colleen was not a believer at that point. And so she could have said, "Uh, you know, no thanks. But Dill just was walking with the Spirit and felt compelled. So she said... And Dill said, I prayed for her. Colleen said, yes, absolutely. I prayed for her. I did not feel any warmth dribbling out the the tips of my fingers. You know, I didn't sense anything. I just was trying to do what I thought God wanted me to do. So about three weeks later, the doorbell rings at Dill's house. And there's her friend Colleen standing there. And Colleen says, the day after you prayed for me, the doctors sent me down for an x-ray. I could, they could see where the bones had been broken, but they were completely healed. She eventually started coming to Dill's Bible study. And then one day they were talking about that painting, you know, the one with Jesus standing at the door and there's, the, there's no doorknob on the outside. And so Dill explains the meaning of the painting. You have to open the door from the inside. Jesus says he gives an invitation, but you have to open the door. And later that day, her friend Colleen said this, Lord, I guess if you're out there and I can open the door, I want you to come in. And that day, Colleen was born again. So what am I driving at here? We pray the prayer of faith when we're praying through our days so that we are alert to the possibilities and opportunities to minister wherever we are. Ephesians 6 verse 18, Paul says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Don't ever leave out the second part. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. How many of you guys were praying for Ukraine a year ago? I, would, I have been really blessed by seeing God answer my prayers. I know what's going on over there is terrible, but I've asked specifically before any of this happened, Lord, call please cause the Western powers to stand up and to have a backbone and stand with Ukraine. There was no guarantee that was going to happen but they have and they continue to do so. I prayed Lord please cause his missiles to be duds and his bombs to be misfire and his cannons to jam and his tanks to stop running. They've had all kinds of mechanical and military problems the Russians have. I've also prayed Lord, please deliver those Russian boys who don't want to be there in the first place and help them to escape, you know, however. And a lot of them have. Now, am I saying that I caused all that? No, but I think God called me to pray that way, and so that's how I prayed. And, and a year ago, everybody thought Ukraine was toast. And they're not. Um, and by the way, Unfolding Word has uh, a man in his family. His name is Sam he's a translator and he lives there in Kyiv and they're struggling with heat and supplies and all those kinds of things so please pray for Sam. So you pray you pray being alert to the situations you're talking to the Lord all the time you're walking in the spirit and you're praying and staying alert to the situations around you watching for opportunities for the gospel. So Bruce Wilkinson was talking about this one time, and he told a story about being in Israel. He said it was was his first trip to Israel. I was on a ship docked in the Isle of Patmos, where John wrote the book of Revelation. He said, I was so lonely for my family, I didn't even go back up to the cave, where he wrote. I just wanted to be by myself, so I was walking the streets of Patmos, and I was looking for some place to sit down. I found a coffee shop. And I sat down and I said, Lord, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't know anyone. Please send someone who needs you. And the guy at the next table turned and looked at him and said, you want some coffee? Are you off that ship? Yeah. So I moved over to his table and said, and he bought me a cup of coffee. And I said this, what's the matter? Now we used to Krista and I used to hear Bruce preach fairly often back in the 80s at First Baptist Atlanta, and you just have to know Bruce. He's just kind of like that. He's, he's just a really a wide-open guy. He said, what's the matter? And the guy said, what do you mean, what's the matter? He said, I don't know, what's the matter? <laughs> I just left my wife, and I'm not going back. I'm going to try to get on that ship and get to the next island where I can fly out of here. Well, would you believe that I am all the way from Atlanta, Georgia for one reason, to get you back with your wife? And Bruce is bold like that. And the man said, impossible. And Bruce said, well, let me return the favor of the coffee. And so for the next hour, I shared Christ with him and God broke through to that young man and he came to know Christ. And I told him, look, if you make it up with your wife before the boat leaves, come and wave. God says, it'll never happen. Bruce said, you're a miracle. Give God a chance. So I got on the boat. I was praying like crazy. I went to the back of the boat, overlooking the harbor, and I will never forget what I saw. Down off the rocky cliff came this young couple holding hands and waving, and I am convinced that if I hadn't prayed, that man would have never said a word to me. So, you pray big, you pray boldly. When we pray the prayer of faith, we pray informed by the Spirit and the Word. And then finally, we pray God centered prayers. God centered. We pray the prayer of faith when we are so God centered, we aren't worried about failure. That's a big deal. I think most of us are so worried that we're going to pray something bold and then God's, and we're going to pray it in front of other people. And then, God's going to choose not to answer it in the particular way that we prayed. And we're going to be embarrassed. And we're going to think God's going to be embarrassed. But he's not because it's his plan and he wants us to pray boldly no matter what. So we pray the prayer of faith when we are willing to, at, to risk embarrassment and failure because we trust a God who is bigger and more important than our ego or our safety. 1 Kings 17 tells the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And Elijah risks everything, his life included, on this contest with these prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. 1 Kings 18, verses 22 through 24, you know the story. Elijah says, "...I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left." But Baal has 450 prophets, get two bulls for us, let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. And I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and I won't set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, what you say is good. He put it all on the line, guys. All of it. How often are we willing to do that? I struggled uh, this this morning with Twitter to tell you a story because all of the stories I have told you so far are have intentionally ended with a a great conclusion and the conclusion was like the girl being healed on the bus or like the woman being healed in the hospital and coming to Christ they they got healed and they came to Christ Um, the story I'm about to tell you doesn't end like that but God answered powerfully anyway uh, this is a story about myself, my personal life, so I apologize in advance for that. I, I usually like to tell stories about other people. But I, I'm, I'm not going to be faithful if I don't, to, to, to the message that I'm preaching to you today if I don't tell you this story. Um, I bought into a partnership uh, on an airplane that was in a barn. <laughs> and... Um, My friend and I, who is a lapsed Christian, um, bought this airplane, and we brought it back to life. We brought it back to life. It had been sitting in the barn for five years. We brought it back to life, and I'm trying to condense all this. We brought it back to life. We were able to fly it for about a year. But airplanes have a time limit on the number of hours you can put on their engines. And then you're supposed to rebuild them. Well, this particular airplane, it's very difficult to rebuild the engine. And it's very expensive. And when you rebuild it and spend all this money, you're probably going to have more in the airplane and in the engine than you can ever get out of it. And so we were kind of between a rock and a hard place. Well, there were, so there were two options. We could try to rebuild the engine, that engine, or we could put a different engine in the airplane. Uh, the different engine is called a Lycoming O360. There are certain expenses associated with that. But I had been having this conversation with God about two things. Number one was just about the whole airplane thing. uh, Because to me this was a... I can't explain the whole story, but it was just a... um, It was a very personal... between me and God about whether or not I would ever be able to fulfill that dream. It was a dream my father had for me a long time ago. And so um we were, we were between a rock and a hard place. And um, so I said, You know, Lord, I talked to you about everything else. I'm just going to talk to you about this airplane. And I said, So here's the situation. Um, we can do this to this engine, or we can find another engine, or I don't know, but Lord, I'm asking you to show me what to do. Now, gang, God does not speak to me this clearly very often. Um, but I clearly understood him to say I'm going to solve this engine problem and when I do I want you to and I want, but I want you to tell your friend I'm going to solve it before I solve it and I was like Lord that sounds an awful lot like this prosperity stuff and I don't believe in that stuff you know it's like I don't go there um, but at your word I will do it so I told my friend I said look I am the farthest thing you will ever meet from a prosperity preacher. I am not one of those guys. But I'm just telling you, I was talking to God about this this engine situation, and God's going to solve this problem for us. And he was kind of like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. Not long after that, we heard of an airplane down in North Carolina that had the Lycoming O360 engine in it. And we thought that the whole airplane was probably trash, but maybe the engine was good. So we went down to look at the engine and uh, look at the airplane. And lo and behold, uh, the guy who had it kind of didn't know what he had. And we had uh, Steve's nephew, who's a really, really good um, meticulous airplane mechanic go over that thing with a fine-tooth comb and he, he said, I'm not seeing anything wrong with this. So real quick, we sold the first airplane and for the exact same amount of money that, we got, that we, we got out of the first airplane, we bought the second airplane. We brought it back to life and flew it for two years and it was perfect. It was the most awesome thing I have ever gotten to do. Gotta see what a basket case I am about this stuff. So here's the, here's the conclusion of the story. I got to share Christ because it was in, I was in this relationship with this friend in a very deep and personal way with him. He has not come back to the Lord yet, but it came time to sell the airplane, and as you all know. Um, Or you may not, but airplanes are really expensive. And I I was a preacher for 30 years. So do the math, you know. Um, That's why we were buying airplanes out of barns. (laughs) When it came time to sell the airplane, we more than doubled our investment in it. And the amount that I got um, for my part Paid for everything that I have spent on flying since the first lesson I took. All the lessons, all the insurance, all the gas, all the parts, everything. Since 2018. Telling that guy God's going to solve our engine problem was one of the scariest things I have ever done. But I did it. And he knows who provided that airplane for us. Um, So here's what I have to say to you. Don't be afraid. Pray a big prayer. Pray boldly. Pray informed. It's, It's Jesus who you're talking to here. Pray informed by the Spirit. Let him guide you. Pray God's sinners. Like, God, this is up to you. I may look like an idiot. I mean, a complete doofus if I say this out loud to this guy. Um, But, you know, Elijah risked his life. Paul and the apostles and my friends in Sudan and in India and Vietnam, they're risking their lives every day because they believe in this God Big, big God. So I want to conclude today, um, and let's ask us uh, for all of us to pray big about the needs of our church and our community. I want us to pray big about CH Friend School and any other private Christian school that wants to try to do what they're doing right now because of the situation in our culture. We need them, our families need them. We need to pray big about witnessing to others, taking risks about witnessing to others. We need to pray big, bold, informed, God-centered prayers about the needs of our church because I know God would have us go forward and keep doing the ministry. Um, and we need to pray big for each other about the needs uh, that are facing us. I mean, we've got, a, we've got a, a lung removal job coming up, you know, fairly soon, according to the, what the doctors say so far from our, for our friend Mike. We've got other issues in our needs in our congregation. We need to pray big. Pray boldly, pray informed, pray God-centered, and leave it up to him how he chooses to answer. So let's bow and pray together. Father, thank you for... um, Thank you for your incredible kindness to us. Thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we would know how incredibly you love us. I pray for anyone here today, God, who doesn't really, hasn't ever really experienced your amazing love, um, that somehow you would use these stories to help them reach out and to receive Maybe the prayer that you need to pray is one for yourself that says, God, I don't even know if you're there, but if you are, I'll sure open the door and let him come in and cleanse you of your sins and forgive you and give you a future and hope. God, we pray for C.H. Friends School and all the other ones like it, not just here in the county, but um, all around our country where good people are trying to do the right thing um, to give children the God-centered biblical worldview education that they need to grow up and thrive and to help, help a country to restore itself. And Father, we pray for FCC. We trust you to show us the way We trust you to provide the man man that we need and the men and women that we need to continue to do your work. Show us the way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSOBO.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, we hope you have a wonderful week.